This is the heart of God. God has a heart for reaching kids and teenagers with the gospel. Uh, we see this all throughout the scriptures. In Psalm 78, we see where the psalm writer Asaph says, we will tell coming generations the praiseworthy deeds of our God. May we as a church be continually focused on looking to reach future generations with the gospel. This is the heart of God and we know this because we see it in the heart of Jesus in Mark chapter 10. Let me show you. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Some of your Bibles might automatically flop open to the book of Mark. Uh, we spent so much time there as a faith family. But in Mark chapter 10, we're going to set up camp this morning looking at the heart of God for kids. I love Mark's gospel because it's fast paced. It's fast moving. He is a primarily uh, Gentile audience in mind as he is pointing to Jesus as the hero of the gospel. Mark uses lots of verbs. He uses lots of vivid descriptive details describing the life, ministry, person, and work of Jesus. And in Mark chapter 10, Jesus is on the opposite side of the Jordan River from Judea. It's similar to the location to where he was baptized by John the Baptist just a few years earlier, not far from Jericho. And it's there that Jesus begins to gather a crowd where he is teaching them truths about the kingdom. Some Pharisees, these religious leaders, approach him and begin testing him with hard questions, which he answers with great clarity and authority. And it's during this time of teaching that children were brought to Jesus. And that's where we pick up in Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 13, and the scripture says this. People were bringing little children to Jesus in order that he might touch them but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. After taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and blessed them. This morning, I want you to notice in the text how Jesus reveals God's heart towards kids and what this means for us as a church. The first thing I want you to see in the text is this, is that Jesus is approachable to all, including kids. Jesus is approachable to all, including kids. We see it there in verse 14. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. It was a common occurrence for families to bring their children to the rabbi so that he might place his hands upon them and pray a prayer of blessing upon them. We do this as a faith family, that periodically we will have a child's dedication service where kids and their families come up here on the stage and we pray over them. We give them a Bible. We challenge the parents to raise their kids to love and follow Jesus. Well, that's what people are looking to do right here. People are bringing their kids to Jesus. I love that part of verse 13. It says people were bringing their little children to Jesus. Parents, that is part of your job description. Your job is to bring your kids to Jesus. It's to continually and faithfully, just repeatedly bringing them to Jesus. 
You're praying for them. You're teaching them the scriptures, opening the Bible and reading it as a family. You're talking about the gospel when you're driving down the road, when you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed at night. Regularly bringing your children to Jesus, making it a habit and a pattern of your life to faithfully and habitually gather in church. It matters that you are here. Your soul needs the gospel. You weekly need to be reminded. Your children need to be weekly reminded of the gospel. We are continually a people bringing our children to Jesus. That's what's happening here. They're bringing their children to Jesus. What a great picture of the role of parents. Well, as they're bringing these children to Jesus, we see a spark of Jesus's anger in verse 13. The disciples run a prevent defense. They try to prevent these children from bothering Jesus. They rebuked the children, the disciples did. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the three synoptic gospels, all give an account of this moment where the disciples stiff arm the children. They're saying, no, 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 you can't bother Jesus. He's busy. He's dealing with the Pharisees. You all need to leave Jesus alone. You see, in Jesus' day, children were often considered by culture to be a liability, at least until they could be a contributing member of society. In fact, if you go back through the first through the third century, the third centuries in Roman Gentile culture, it was common for a family that did not want a baby or a child is that they would place it on a garbage heap. Children quite literally became the garbage of families that did not want them. What's interesting is that if you go back and study church history, it was the early church who was going to these trash heaps and these garbage dumps and rescuing babies and children. They would raise them up in their homes. They would care for them and they would teach them the gospel. And these children would grow up to love and follow Jesus. An argument is made by many historians that one of the reasons for the spread of the gospel so quickly throughout the first several centuries was that practice right there where the early church said, we're going to take care of the babies. Not only did they train up these children to love and follow Jesus, which propagated the gospel that sent the gospel further and farther, but it was a witness to a watching world saying that kids matter to Jesus. You see, throughout world history, we see where oftentimes when someone is in a place or a position of power or authority, children become the victims, whether it's a, a Caesar or an emperor whose position of power and authority is being tested by someone else, children become the victims. We see this in Exodus chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 2 where Pharaoh sees the Israelites multiplying and he wants to deal with it. So he orders all Israelite Jewish boys two years and younger to be thrown into the Nile River. We see this with King Herod during the early days of Jesus' birth, where he ordered that baby boys two years and younger in the city of Bethlehem are to be slaughtered. Why? Because they tested his position of power and authority. But we also today live in a culture that will at times view children in the same way. For some, they consider children just a fetal tissue to be discarded. They see children as an accessory just to decorate, a commodity to sell, a nuisance to tolerate. But that's not the picture that we get from Scripture. This is not God's design towards children. In fact, all children 
are image bearers who are loved by God. Every single child is made by God and loved by God and created to know and follow God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single child has value and worth. This is a stance that we as followers of Jesus have stood firm upon for thousands of years. That we are a people who stand with Jesus who loves and affirms children. Sadly, the disciples didn't get it. They rebuked the kids. They pushed them away from the Messiah. But did you see Jesus' response? The text says that he was indignant. Now, if we were to take that word uh, in, in the Greek and we translate it uh, into English, it would almost be like an English compound word where we put two words together. So it would be like the words uh, much grief. Okay, let me put it in modern terminology. The word indignant there means big mad. Jesus was big mad. He was ticked. He scolded and rebuked the disciples. Don't you ever dare keep a kid from coming to me. That's the picture we see there. Where Jesus is angry that someone, especially his disciples, that he is investing his life into, would ever prevent a child from coming to him. Why does Jesus respond like this? Because kids matter to God. Children matter to God. God has a special place in his heart for kids. Isn't it amazing that Jesus, the eternal son of God, who has always existed, the faithful and true eternal creator, who's the sustainer of all things, is approachable to all including kids. Jesus says, let the children come to me. Kids are welcome to come to me. Jesus was approachable and he still is today. But Jesus, kids are smelly. I know. Jesus still wants the kids. In Westwood, so do we. But Jesus, kids are rambunctious. I know. Jesus still wants the kids. In Westwood, so do we. But Jesus, they cause chaos and they cause a mess. I know. I want the kids. In Westwood, so do we. We are a church where it is perfectly fine for kids to be running around our campus having fun. I am perfectly, perfectly content with kids spilling Kool-Aid on the carpet. We can buy new carpet. Let's let them make a mess. Why? Because kids matter to Jesus. And if they matter to Jesus, they matter to us. This is a picture of the gospel where we see a savior who is approachable, who invites people to come to him and he's made a way to the father. And so as Jesus' hands and feet here on this earth, we are gonna be a church that is continually extending out and welcoming children towards Jesus because that is the picture we see here. Mark 10 is showing us that children are safe in the arms of Jesus. If I can, just for a moment, speak into some of your all's lives. For some of you, you've experienced the death of a baby or the death of a child. Maybe it's through a miscarriage or maybe it's through abortion 
Or maybe you had a child who died tragically. May I say to you, your baby, your child is safe in the arms of Jesus. Jesus loves your child so much more than you do. And your baby is safe in the arms of Christ. He has them. They are safe. They are provided for. They are protected. And if you are in Christ, there's coming a day in which you will be reunited with your baby, with your child. May I also say, if you are someone who has had an abortion, I want you to know that there is forgiveness and healing in Jesus. The power of his death is sufficient to pay for all sin and evil. For anybody who turns from their sin and trusts in him by faith, Jesus will receive you. So maybe even today, if you today, you feel weight and guilt over something that you've done, I want you to know that Jesus is powerful. Jesus is faithful. Jesus will forgive you. He washes, he heals, and he cleanses anyone who comes to him by faith, no matter what you've done. He is a faithful and good savior. So come to Jesus and find rest in him. Oh, what comfort that we see here in Mark 10. The faithful son of God who invites children to come into his presence. In Westwood, may we be that kind of church that says we are gonna do whatever it takes to see future generations come to a saving knowledge of Christ. That we want to intentionally invest our dollars and our resources and our very lives and our time into seeing kids and teenagers come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. It matters to Jesus and so it matters to us. It breaks my heart to see churches scattered throughout our community and beyond in which they have not reached or baptized anybody below the age of 18 for decades. Westwood, if we are not intentional about intentionally being about the heart of Jesus and caring for kids and teenagers and families, we too will suffer the same fate. Let us continually play offense with the gospel in pointing future generations to Jesus. I shared this with you last week in the message. In fact, if you were not here last week, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message because I unpacked, uh, and as fast as I could, all of the things that God is doing in our church, and it's amazing. But as Pastor Rick and Pastor Corey alluded to earlier, we're facing space challenges. There are Sundays in which we cannot put any more wheelchairs in our sunshine special needs classroom. There are times in which we can't fit any more kids into some worship gatherings. We have students who are meeting in kids' classrooms. We're at a point in time in our life in which we need to be expanding new space to create room for special needs ministry, for helping us reach more kids for Christ. We're at a point in which we need to build a building for teenagers so that they can have a place where they can gather in small group Bible study for worship and for making much of Christ and following him together. Well, Kenneth, what is that gonna cost and what does that look like? I have no idea. That's why last week I called our church into a season of prayer and preparation. We're gonna pray. Together, we're gonna pray and seek God's face and see what he has for us to do as a church. I have all kinds of ideas. I'm sure you have all kinds of ideas of ways that we can solve these solution, the space challenges that we have. We need solutions. But before we start throwing around ideas, we need to pray and seek the face of God and see, God, what is it you want us to do? but we're also entering into a season of preparation. We're putting together a leadership team of pastors and lay leaders who are gonna be seeking wisdom. 
Wisdom from people inside the church and wisdom from people outside the church asking how can we find solutions to the space challenges that we're facing. You see, we're gonna continue to play offense with the gospel, Westwood. Man, we're gonna keep pointing to Jesus. We're gonna keep preaching Jesus. We're gonna continually fall more in love with him. And together, we're gonna keep encouraging one another to keep following passionately after Jesus. And as we do, as we're reaching more people with the gospel, it's gonna take all of us together. So what does this look like for the future? I don't know but we're gonna pray. We're gonna seek wise counsel. Lord willing, early next year, January, February, we'll see what the Lord wills. This team's gonna come back to our church and present to us a plan on how we can be most effective and faithful in preparing new space and a new building to help us reach more kids with the gospel. Why? It's because Jesus is approachable. Jesus is the one where kids and teenagers have access to and they can come to him. So we too as a church must continually be giving our lives to seeing kids and teenagers reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second thing we see here in the text is that Jesus welcomes the humble who become like kids. Verse 15, Jesus said, truly I tell you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Isn't that interesting? Jesus rebukes the disciples for pushing kids away and he declares that entrance into his kingdom requires everyone becoming like children. Jesus is taking the common cultural assumption about children and he's flipping it upside down. He's changing the way that people are thinking. Like this is revolutionary teaching here. Jesus is saying uh, that we must receive the kingdom like kids. All right, what are kids like? Well, kids are humble. Kids are needy. Kids are trusting. Kids are dependent. And Jesus is saying, in order to get into the kingdom, you have to be just like that. You see, kids have no physical strength. They have no political power or persuasion. They have no possessions or affluence that they have, any kind of wealth. Children realize they have nothing to offer God. And Jesus says, if you want to the kingdom, you've got to get there. You've got to come to the point where you realize, God, I don't have anything to offer you but me. You see, coming into the kingdom necessitates that you realize that you are humble and needy and dependent. You are unable to do anything on your own. You are completely dependent upon the grace and the person and the work of Jesus. And so Jesus says, if you want to come into the kingdom, you've got to become like a child, this is revolutionary thinking that we must, as adults, understand that in order for us to get into the kingdom, we've got to start becoming like kids. Question, how dependent are you? Are you needy? Do you realize how weak you are? If you don't, Jesus says you will never come into the kingdom. You have to realize, God, my life is broken and I have nothing apart from you, Jesus. I've got to have you. Jesus is outlining, outlining for us exactly how we come into the kingdom. And here's how it is. You have to be humble. You gotta get low. You can't allow pride, 
arrogance, self-sufficiency, this posture of independence, this idea of I got this. If that those words come out of your mouth, you are in trouble. This idea of y'all, I got this, I got it. What? We are weak and helpless apart from Jesus. We are in danger continually of pride. Proverbs 16, 18 warns us of this. It says, pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. Whenever someone, or better yet, a nation, becomes prideful, don't look now, but in comes a fall. God humbles the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you want to come into the kingdom, you've got to get humble like a child. You've got to get low. Well, how in the world do I find humility? We go to Jesus. We see who Jesus is and what he has done for us. That the king laid his life down for the peasants. That the sovereign gave his life up for his enemies. That he who possesses and owns all things gave it all up so that he might become poor and weak and identify with us and to go and to die on a cross. You see, no one can be prideful standing before a blood-stained cross. When you see what Jesus has done for you by giving his life at the cross, that Jesus bled and died on your behalf so you can be forgiven, redeemed, washed, and made brand new. When you realize what Christ has done, it doesn't make you proud, it makes you humble. You get low before Almighty God and realize I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your grace. But oh, I praise you and thank you that you do love me. You offer me a lavish amount of grace. You overwhelm me with mercy. And it brings you low before God. This is what the gospel does. The gospel humbles the proud. And we realize that apart from Jesus, we have nothing and we are nothing because we have got to have him. If you are starting to find pride well up in your heart, I implore you, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that he might exalt you in due time. Practically, start becoming familiar with what your carpet smells like. Get low before God. Open his scriptures and just get low before him and watch God move in your heart and in your life. So the first thing we see in the text is that Jesus is approachable to all, including kids. Secondly, Jesus welcomes the humble who become like kids. Thirdly, Jesus is embraceable to all who want him, especially kids. The picture of verse 16 is Jesus getting down on the kid's level. I love how Mark here describes the the personhood of Jesus. Arms open, hands blessing. It's as if Jesus gets down on their level and invites them in and just says, get get in here, you're welcome. 
I want you, this is a picture of the humanness of Jesus. That he opens up his arms and he takes the kids up in his arms. He then places his hands upon them and blesses them. What is the blessing? Well, the text doesn't tell us. But more than likely, the blessing comes from Numbers chapter six. That says this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. The savior of the world is blessing these children as he's embracing them in his arms. I was thinking this morning about Deuteronomy chapter four where it says that God led Israel out of Egypt with an outstretched arm and with his mighty hand. Isn't that interesting? That here in Mark 10, that the same sovereign who led Israel out with an outstretched hand and with a mighty, outstretched arm and a mighty hand is now embracing his arms and laying his hands upon children. Oh, the heart of God who embraces all who want him. And if you are in Christ, and if you want Jesus, chapter 10 is your future. There's coming a day in which you will receive the embrace of Jesus. The sovereign one who led his people out with an outstretched arm and with a mighty hand, one day he will embrace you in his arms. He will receive you. He will not stiff arm you. He will not reject you. If you trust in him by faith, you bank your soul upon him. If you want him, you will have him. And you will receive him. And he will embrace you and grab hold of you because you are his child whom he has received into his kingdom because you have humbled yourself and you've sought his face, his face and he will receive you and embrace you in his arms. As I think about the future of our church, that's where we gotta go. We want to see as many kids and teenagers come to this point where they desire the embrace of Jesus. So Kenneth, what are you calling us to? It's our impact point and it's this. I'm asking you this week to pray diligently for God to use our church to point kids and teenagers to Jesus. That God would so create within our church a culture of prayer, a passion for knowing and following Jesus but we're a people who are eager to do whatever it takes to see as many kids and teenagers come to a saving knowledge of Christ. When I was in college, one summer, I got to work one week as a summer camp counselor for Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp. It's a whole week of sports and games and Bible study and it was just, it was an incredible moment in, in my life because it was during that week that God stirred my heart with a calling to the ministry. But that was also a, a moment in my life that I look back upon, but it wasn't necessarily always what happened in the worship room. See, outside the chapel on the last day, Gavin Durson, who was the leader of Fellowship of Christian Athletes at the University of Kentucky, a guy who discipled and poured into me, he was outside while everybody else was inside. 
And I watched Gavin and like, what is he doing? And I saw him out in the parking lot, crouched down in front of a boy who's in a wheelchair with cerebral palsy. And Gavin raised his arms up and began making dinosaur noises. And this precious little boy begins to laugh and laugh and laugh. Tears coming down his cheeks as Gavin is acting like this. And there I was as a fairly new believer who was studying theology and I found myself growing more and more arrogant in all of the things I had learned about God. And at first I looked at Gavin like, what are you doing? But then in that moment, it was as if the Holy Spirit said, Kenneth, it's time for you to grow up and become like a child. You need to humble yourself because this is what it looks like in the kingdom. Westwood, may we be a church that, yes, is serious about theology. We love the gospel. We're gonna love God with our mind. But oh, that we would love kids well. And we would point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. May that be our aim. And may that be our passion. Because that is the heart of God towards kids.